What is up, Zinger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Benzinga Power Hour, Benzinga's trade idea show. Um, this show is all about trade ideas. We have Traeger CEO, which the company is IPOing today under the ticker Cook, C-O-O-K. Uh, Jeremy Andrews will be joining us at 12.15. And then at 12.30, we have Peak Fintech CEO Johnson Joseph joining us, ticker P-K-K-F-F. Uh, real excited about this show. Yo, yo, yo. What up, baby? Spence, how we doing? Good, good. It's a busy day, man. It is a busy, busy day. Uh, we've all been talking uh, this morning about this uh, Robinhood IPO, but that is not the only IPO of the day, if you can believe it. Uh, our next guest is uh, is just went through that process himself, and Traeger Grills IPO today under uh, perhaps, dare I say, the best, if not one of the best. We'll say like in the top 2% best uh, symbols on the street, ticker Cook, fantastic symbol. Let's bring on Jeremy Andrews right now, the CEO of Traeger Grills. Shall we do that, AB? Let's do it. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Jeremy, good morning. Hey, Thanks good morning. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? Good. A- yeah, it's, it's already past noon. Good afternoon. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I lost, lost track of time. Jeremy Andrews, welcome to the Power Hour, um, man. Um, I just let, let's just start with this. Uh, I, I was surprised to see that uh, there was uh, more money spent, a five percent increase uh, uh, in money spent on grills this year than last year. I thought I would have thought last year would have been peak grill season, right? Everyone's stuck at home. So, like, what is? Uh, Give us a sense of what the grill market is like right now. Yeah, 100%. So uh, I, I guess, first of all, I would say there's been a trend towards um, better culinary experiences that started long before the pandemic. And so uh, home cooking, uh, that, that, that trend had started. We've been growing nicely for many years coming to the pandemic. I think uh, home cooking, outdoor cooking in particular, was it's a lifesaver to people during the pandemic. They couldn't go to restaurants. Um, you know, they needed to, they, they, they learned to cook at home and it became a really important hobby. And, and we actually, you know, as you think about some of the consumer behaviors that change, that will be sticky, home fitness, outdoor recreation, home cooking is one of them. And so, in fact, as we surveyed our consumers, we found that 70% of our consumers, I'm sorry, 70% of Americans said they would cook as much, if not not more, post the pandemic. 35% of Americans said they found a hobby in cooking. And so, you know, YouTube content, for example, around home cooking doubled during the, during the pandemic. So there is, um, this is not a behavior that we think is changing. And, and we're feeling that in our business right now. So, so AB, go ahead. Uh, I, I just got to ask real quick, Mr. Andres. A Traeger. Is it a grill? Is it a smoker? <laughs> clear that up for me real quick, because I've, I've heard both. You, you know what? Boy, this is a hard one to clear up. Here's what I'll tell you. Uh, some people call it call it a smoker. We call it a grill, but even that's not even that's not the, not, not the perfect word. A, a Traeger does so much. It's effectively an outdoor convection oven that uses wood as, as its fuel source, but also as a, the source of flavoring food. So you know, you can you can do everything a grill can do. You can cook, you know, hot and fast steaks, salmon, hamburgers, 
pork tenderloin, what, whatever it may be, you can do low and slow barbecue. I mean, like when, when you learn that you can do a world-class brisket at your home and your Traeger, yeah, beef ribs, pork ribs, but you can also bake. Like we love to bake pizzas and we bake, you know, uh, desserts in cast iron skillets. So you can do so much with it. The only way to describe what a Traeger is, is it's a Traeger. You Traeger. It is like, it's, it's unlike any other solution on the market. And, and candidly, that's really what's driving this passion and energy behind our community, behind the Traegerhood. It's like people love it. They, they, they get hooked and they become our best evangelists. I think you're making our chat a little, a little hungry here. <laughs> Let's go. Wait, I, I, I want to ask, I'm, I'm so interested in, in these sudden barbecue wars because you guys had your IPO today. Weber just filed for their own IPO. Uh, why, why IPO? Why now? You know what? Um, look, we, uh, Tra- Traeger's, Traeger's growing. Uh, we're, we're a disruptor. Um, you know, between 2015 and 2019, even pre-pandemic, we grew at a 30% top line Kager. So we are taking share, we're growing. And I would say a couple of reasons uh, why now. Number one, you know, we are investing in our business. We're investing in, in product innovation. We're investing behind the brand. So we're able, we were able to raise some primary capital uh, to put on the balance sheet. But um, it was also an opportunity for our community who loves us so much to be owners and in, in the exposure and the connectivity to those who are members of our community is so important to us. And so I got to tell you, like the, the, the response has been overwhelming to be able to participate in this. And uh, you know, for us, I, I can't answer the, the, the why, the, the why now for other, other brands like Weber, but I can tell you that we were the only brand really growing and taking share pre-pandemic. And we were the brand taking share when everyone grew during the pandemic. Got it. And then real quick, Jeremy, what, what's the benefit for someone at home cooking with wood as opposed to say like charcoal on, on a typical grill? Well, look, first of all, uh, when you cook with wood, your food tastes better. And that's a fact. Uh, the reality is, is that cooking with wood is always, has been hard. I mean, it's uh, pre-Traeger. You, you, you've got to you've got to get the wood. You've got to you've got to stoke a fire. You've got to add fuel and, and and manage temperature. And so those who get really good at it, who like really master the art and they're willing to put the time into it, they produce these amazing meals. But that's not for most people. And so what Traeger does is takes uh, all of the benefits of cooking with wood in a convection format, just the amazing flavor and the versatility but then it makes it accessible to someone like me. And, and we've integrated a lot of other technology that, that, that really brings someone on this cooking journey from, I mean, I was a novice before I bought my first Traeger. And I bought, I bought my first Traeger before I had anything to do with the brand Traeger. And I started cooking. And my wife, who's an amazing cook and knows that I was a lousy cook, uh, she was impressed. Like I started cooking things that, we're, we're more than edible. And so I'm a great cook now on the trigger. I love to cook. And, and this is really, this is really where the passion comes from. When someone finds this hobby and they sit around a table and like get and, and they serve this amazing meal. It's like, 
high five, dad. This was amazing. Well done. What do you do? You have this great, this very communal bonding moment and you want to cook more. And that's what happens with, uh, with the Traeger owner in, in our digital, our, our digital connectivity, our digital product. We've curated and created 1600 recipes for Traeger and we teach you to cook uh, one recipe at a time. Uh, Jeremy, question here from our chat from Solar Up. Does Traeger have any plans for an offset style smoker? I really want an offset wood smoker, but an offset Traeger would be an ideal alternative. You know what? Uh, we we are always innovating. Um, you know, I say constantly, we have not yet built our defining product, but it's not going to be an offset smoker. And, and there's a reason for that. An offset smoker, like for, for, for like the stick burner guy that the person that likes to play with fire, you know, that's willing to take all day on a Saturday or a Sunday. So it, it's a great product, but, but that, that, that's a small, it's a small audience. Traeger is, uh, it, it is beloved and appreciated by enthusiasts of barbecue, uh, by, by, by chefs. We've got Michelin chefs cooking on it, but it makes cooking with wood accessible to everyone. And so Offset smoker, great product, but it, but it's a small addressable consumer base. Okay. Got it. Um, all right, uh, Mr. Andrews. Well, thank you for joining us. Wait, on the I, power. I, I have one more question for Jeremy. Uh, oh, I, all right. Well, we go. did just get a note that that he has to wrap, but okay, ahead. okay. One more. Uh, this is not your first go around as far as public company IP, uh, IPO. You were you were with Skull Candy. Did you learn anything from that go around? How much time do you have? <laughs> I, 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 honest, yeah, honestly, here's here's what I'll say. Yeah, business isn't rocket science but the value of pattern recognition so that you can make better decisions faster is so important. And, and the reality is that, you know, 10 years ago when I did this, I was a, I, I was a young CEO okay. and look, stub my toe and learn, but, it, but I will tell you Traeger is an incredible platform. I am 10 years and one week older, but I'm 20 years wiser. All right. Jeremy Andrews is the CEO of Traeger Grills. Ticker cook. Jeremy, congratulations. Looking forward to uh, Thank you. to more stuff down the line. All right. Got a note here, AB. Uh, while we were on the on the line with Jeremy just now, Hood. In a- Thank you. <laughs> Hood open for training. Opened at the IPO price, $38 per share. Did price at the low end of the range last night. The range was... Uh, Anywhere from 38 to 42. They did price it last night at 38. There were some indications this morning it could go anywhere from 38 to 40 to 40 and change. So we did open at the IPO price. Again, um, a lot of unknowns here. One in the chat, if you got an allocation on Robinhood uh, of the IPO, I did not. Uh, I have an account, but no money in it. Aaron Bree, I don't know what your situation with Robinhood is, if you have an account there or not. Um, but one, do. Do, you, do you have an allocation? Did you get shares? Uh, wait. You like automatically get shares of Robinhood if you. No, you have to ask. All right, you don't know anything. <laughs> you have to ask. Yeah, you have to apply. Uh, I did not do that, but I mean, I'm staying on the sideline of this one, Spencer. We've talked about it before that studies have shown that within six months, uh, an IPO stock will be trading below its initial offering. So, I mean, I, I might look to get into this one around the twenty dollar level. But not now. And that's why I didn't apply to get the early shares. Okay. One person in chat has been like, yep, me, me I got some shares. And so they're any- done already. So anyway, 
Uh, so much to uh, to to digest here with with this IPO. Uh, I do want to get our next guest on in, in a second, but just okay. So we are we're already below the IPO price. Okay, so your your bogey is going to be thirty eight. That's a very big number psychologically. Everybody who got the IPO uh, last night or this morning, they got it at thirty eight dollars. They are locked up for a month. I learned that this morning. Um, so watching this throughout the day. Uh, and someone tell someone let me know. Somebody hop on the Robinhood account and let, let me know if you can short Robinhood shares right now. I don't think it's, it, it's not that easy. Uh, to you can't just run up and short an IPO like that. So, um, let me know if, uh, if you fit if you physically can do it. I know a lot of you want to do no, it. So, on my oh, here we go. It's only giving me an option to buy, yeah, not not yeah. trade. So the only and, thing I can do on Robinhood on the hood ticker yeah. is buy. You can't just rock up to an IPO on its opening day and just short it. That's not how it works. So uh, anyway, we are open finally. It took half the day, but we got there. Um, <laughs> all right, this is going to be an exciting one. Let's watch. There's no news on Robinhood's like main news page about the IPO. Interesting. Is that a sell signal? I don't know. What I, I think so. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Let's bring on our next guest here. We have Johnson Joseph in the waiting room. He's the CEO of Peak FinTech Group. We've had several people ask us about this one in the last couple of days. Ticker PKKFF. Let's get him on here now. Johnson Joseph, welcome to the Power Hour. Oh, can you hear us? Johnson. Hey. All right, we got you. Yes. Sorry, I couldn't hear you guys. Okay, that's okay. Uh, you, you hear us now. Good afternoon. How are we doing today? Fantastic. How are you? Good. All right, tell us about um, this company. I, I, I'm really not quite sure why we've gotten so many questions about you all in the past week, but we have. Just tell us about the business, and then we'll go from there. Okay, sure. Um, Peak FinTech Group, what we do is um, we run a platform uh, in China primarily right now where we um, bring together small businesses, small micro businesses who are looking for funding primarily with uh, lending, with uh, financial institutions willing to lend to them. So um, the way the concept works is very simple. So uh, if you're a small business owner, uh, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You give us access to your data. Uh, we basically read information from the business's uh, accounting software system. We pull uh, tax bureau data on them. Uh, we have information that allows us to, uh, to read their bank statements. And we take all of this information and we help qualify them for loans for credit, whether they need to finance uh, receivables, they need to replenish their inventory, they want to get paid sooner, uh, whatever the case may be. So essentially what we do is we, uh, we are a marketplace for commercial loans between small, medium-sized businesses and lending financial institutions. Now, what's interesting about the company is that we launched uh, in China in uh, 2018. We generated about 1.6, these are all Canadian dollars, by the way, we're based in Canada. We're um, headquartered in Montreal, even though all of our operations are in China right now. Uh, so we generated uh, $1.6 million in revenue in 2018. That was the first year. The second year, we uh, we scaled that up to 11.7 million. That was 2019, 2020. We just uh, um, filed. Well, a few months ago, we filed our fourth quarter results. We generated 42 million dollars in revenue, and for 2021, we're forecasting over 100 million 
2022, it should scale up to 300 million, and uh, 2023, we're looking at the 600 million. So the company is going very, very fast, and uh, we have uh, intentions on coming to North America before the end of this year. Okay, so Jonathan, I mean, your your operations in China, I, I got to ask, you know, the elephant in the room here. Like, are are you concerned at all about? the the uh, i don't know what how you want to phrase it the the control that the chinese government seems to be asserting uh over its capital markets right now and over many of its businesses that that trade publicly here in the u.s yeah that's an excellent question we get that all the time especially lately um first thing to um, um to point out is that we are not a chinese company right so um we are not a chinese company so the uh our main regulator is not the Chinese securities regulator, right? So we are based in Canada. The main regulator for our company is the Quebec regulator. That's the province that we're based in. So that's the number one thing. The second thing is uh, what's happening in China right now is uh, there, there are a couple of things. So uh, the Chinese government is looking to protect the personal and private information of its citizens. So a lot of the companies that have had issues, let's call it lately, are companies that deal with private individuals. They collect personal private information and the government is concerned about that. We are strictly a B2B platform. We do not deal with consumers at all. We do not collect personal information on our clients. We essentially, we're, we're essentially interested in how is the business doing? So we facilitate uh, transactions between lending financial institutions and small businesses. That's it. So uh, the government is fully aware, by the way, of our operations in China. In fact, one of the biggest um, partnerships that we recently signed was with a subsidiary of uh, China Union Pay called Rangbang Technologies. And China Union Pay is a state-owned entity. They control the flow of funds throughout China. They are the largest um, card payment processing company in all of the world, larger than Visa and MasterCard. And uh, we basically, just this morning, we announced that uh, we had taken a small participation in the uh, the private company, Rongbang Technologies. So in a way right now, we are kind of like partners with uh, with China Union Pay, which is a state-owned entity. So that just gives you an idea um, that the government in, 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 in China is not after us. They're not looking to disturb our operations, quite the contrary. But if the government can say, hey, we all of a sudden are deciding that we're concerned about the, the data being gathered about uh our, our citizens, couldn't they also just as easily say, we are now concerned about the data being gathered about our businesses? Again, they, again, they're fully aware of what we're doing. Our servers are in China. They, they, um, we understand that the information in China, the data that we're collecting does not leave China, right? So it remains in our servers there. It's uh, protected by encryption. Uh, the government has looked into our systems um, on several occasions. And again, what we're doing is we are facilitating business for small and micro businesses. They are the backbone of the Chinese economy. They're responsible for 70 or 75 percent of the jobs throughout the country. And uh, ever since we started operating in there, uh, um, ever since we started operating our platform, the government has noticed in the cities where we operate, they've noticed uh, um, an improvement in the operations of small businesses. So again, we have partnerships with the city of Jiangying. Uh, we work with them very closely with them. So we're contributing to the um, the development of the economy in China. So there is no incentive for the government um, to, to prevent us from helping their small businesses in China. And then uh, Mr. Joseph, real quick, I have a very special guest to bring on with us. 
Um, this is one of the biggest fans of the company. He actually pitched this stock on this very show uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago at this point. Uh, but without further ado, let me bring on Young Investor. Young Investor! What's going on, Young Investor? How we doing? All right. Hey, I'm a fan. Nice to meet you, Young Investor. You've watched my channel? I'm sorry? Wait, have you watched my channel before? No, no, I've seen, I've seen, somebody sent me links to, uh, yeah, the, the uh, to coverages video. that you've done before. And yeah, listen, it's an honor. No, it's an honor uh, to speak to you. So can you first, firstly tell us today about today's press release? Because today you announced that you're investing in Rongbang, which is a subsidiary of Union Pay, for less than 1% of the company, but for $500,000 Canadian. You said this is a, it isn't, shouldn't be um, viewed as kind of a normal investment. So tell us about the strategic opportunities of this, how it strengthens your you know, ties with union pay and you know, your trials of this going forward. Oh, absolutely. Listen, uh, this was, for, first of all, um, investing in union pay, not everybody uh, can decide, okay, you know what, I'm going to invest in wrong bank. First of all, it was an invitation. So it was a huge honor, right? So for union pay to recognize the impact that we were having uh, with just about a month's worth of operations using their network, is a tremendous honor. So they invited us to uh, to make this investment, but the investment is more symbolic than anything else, right? So to be associated with Union Pay again, this is the largest card payment uh, uh, company in all of the world, and for them to recognize what we're doing, how we're helping businesses, uh, and to invite us to make this investment, obviously, it's going to open doors for us. It brings a lot of credibility to the company. Now, when we go see clients, partners, hey, you know what? We're, we're somehow associated with Union Pay. It is huge for us. The second thing is uh, it gives us a seat at the table, right? So Union, you have Union Pay, but you have other large uh, state-owned companies that are investors in wrong bank technology. So that gives us a seat at the table. So we're not aware of interesting projects that could be happening, whether it's in the clean tech uh, uh, sector or any other sector. So it was a tremendous, tremendous investment for us. Yeah. So another thing uh, worth noting, which I'd like to ask you about, is you recently, you know, this really, you know, when I saw this on the day, you know, it really made me pumped. So tell us about the guidance you recently issued. So I'm super excited about this guidance. So for this year, you're projecting 104 million. Obviously, you can't comment on whether it's, you know, uh, you expect more than that. But, you know, historically, Peak's guidance has been you know, pretty conservative you know, for the last few years. So tell us about the guidance recently. So you're projecting 104 million revenue in 2021. I want to know more about your long-term outlook for the company in 2023. And by the way, this is all Canadian for anyone watching. Because in 2023, you said you expect 624 million Canadian with 102 million net profit uh, net income. So, you know, tell us about how you get there. And, you know, you're getting the kind of point where uh, Upstart projected to have very similar net income for you in that year. But you're um, below Upstart so in terms of uh, revenue in that year. So tell us more about how you aim to reach that your future going forward as long as um is that also included with foreign expansion in that in that guidance you um created that, that that's an excellent question uh first and foremost um the uh, the guidance that we put out was strictly for china and as i mentioned earlier we have intentions of coming to north america so that the numbers for north america and other parts of the world also eventually uk uh, South America, that is not included in there. So that's strictly China, number one. The second thing is uh, because of what we have seen from our operations so far in China, most of our business is coming from repeat business. So you have these large uh, distributors. I, I don't know if you're familiar, young investor, with uh, um, Kofco. 
Kafko is uh, China Oil and Foodstuffs Corporation. They are the largest, if I'm not mistaken, the largest food processing uh, company in all of Asia. And uh, a lot of our clients deal with them. So just think about this for a second, right? So all of the uh, um, goods, food stuff that is consumed in China, whether it's rice, uh, packaged goods or whatever, noodles, all that stuff, most of it is produced by Kafka, right? So we have a lot of clients who buy regularly from Kafka. So they, they have cash flow issues that we're helping them with. So, so a lot of our business comes from there. So there are a lot of companies also that deal with JD.com, Alibaba, these large e-commerce portals. They buy and sell products all the time from large manufacturers. So we talk to these clients and we get their for these are companies that, you know, they have a history. Right. So we're not coming out. OK, well, it's a new company, whatever. We're pulling numbers out of the air. No. We talk to our clients. We know what they expect for the next year, two, three years. And then our forecasts are based on those numbers primarily. Okay, so I kind of have um, one one last kind of major question I'd like to know from you. So I was recently speaking on my channel to uh, Sheldon in Wintash, mm-hmm. who you know very well. So we spoke about Peak for a good se- section of our interview. And one of the things we kept talking about was foreign expansion for Peak. So you already know you're going to expanding to North America, hopefully by the end of this year. Correct. Now, now Peak's are very kind of, in one sense, simple to replicate across the globe. It's not something you need to figure out a brand new kind of you know, plan brand new everything as soon as you go to a new country. You only need to get regulatory approval and connections with the banks in that country to be able to facilitate lending on your app. So here's about foreign expansion for you. And do you really see this as being something you're planning to expand eventually across the world into Canada, North America, eventually Europe? And could this really be you know, a global business, which in a few years, maybe like five, ten years down the road, it's a really more it's a global business. They're pulling in revenues from all different parts of the world in Europe and North America and China, you know, and Asia. Absolutely, young investor. That that's that's a great question, also. And yes, that is uh, part of our plan. So what we're doing is we're building right right now. It started in China, but it's an ecosystem, right? So it's a business ecosystem. We started off as a lending hub, facil- facil- facilitating lending transactions between financial institutions and small businesses. But we're also talking to these small businesses, right? So they need other things. They need logistics. They need this. They need that. And they'd like to be connected, right? Like they're, they're looking for partners. They're looking for uh, suppliers. They're looking for this. So networking in the future is going to be a very, very important aspect of our ecosystem. So right now we're already setting up these businesses to network amongst themselves in China. But believe it or not, um, there is a small, well, we have a small network already being built in Canada. And the Canadian business is already asking about, well, can we, get in touch with some of the business in China. You know, we'd like to find a, a supplier. We'd like to export or some of our goods, that kind of stuff. So yes, our plan in the future is to create this global ecosystem of businesses where businesses are going to be able to get funding and they're going to be able to get market research report. They're going to be able to network amongst each other. Yeah. Got it. I got, oh, sorry, young investor. I got to hop in yeah. here real quick. We got you, We can ask one more question, but I'm just curious young investor, how did you find this company initially and like what stuck out to you about it? Yeah, so originally I found this uh, company for, you know, one of the many Discord servers and after that, you know, one of the bigger Discord servers which is, you know, affiliated, you know, well not affiliated, but, you know, our investors in peak, you know, shout out to the guys at Stockfam. I know a lot of them are in the chat. You know, JJ did, I got to say, an awesome interview with them recently. There's so many little little gems in there. It was like kind of Sean's predicting his next move. 
but yeah, so I found this, you know, through mainly just people reckon, recommending it to me. And I get a fair few stocks. You know, this one's really stood out to me because they started talking about, you know, the amount of revenue growth it was receiving, the net profits it could be having in the future, you know, 56%, you know, operating margins, you know, from what JJ has said previously in other interviews before the uh, quiet period um, happened, or, you know, couldn't really do any interviews or talk about the stock that much. But yeah, you know, ever since I've really heard about the stock, I've just been constantly doing due diligence, you know, constantly adding to my position. I actually love what JJ and the team over at Pico are doing. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for, for hopping on to ask a few questions. And yeah, the due diligence is so impressive at, at a very young age to know so much about the company. So we appreciate your your wisdom on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for bringing me on. Yeah, and hopefully one day I can interview, interview in a few weeks, JJ. Absolutely. I'd be honored. Very nice meeting you, young investor. Very nice meeting you too. Yeah. We, oh, <laughs> sorry about that, young investor. We'll get you back on. Um, but yeah, thank you, Mr. Joseph, for joining the show today. Uh, let me know if there's anything else you want to leave our investors with before uh, heading out this afternoon. No, listen, I just want to say I appreciate the opportunity um, to connect with a new audience here. Um, we're expecting to have a lot of fun. Should be on NASDAQ before the end of, uh, for the U.S. audience out there. Should be on NASDAQ before the end of August. So um, keep an eye out for that. Thanks again. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy Thursday for joining us. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited about that, seeing the uplist to NASDAQ. So we'll definitely keep an eye on this, keep it on the watch list. And we'd love to get you back on the show if when we get more news, uh, anytime you have anything to share. Absolutely, anytime. Thank you. Awesome. No problem. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. That was Peak FinTech Group, ticker PKK or PKKFF. Um, we got Traeger's chart back up Dude, here. That, that was a blast. That was so much fun. I did not expect that. You didn't expect Young Investor to hop on. I always got tricks no. up my sleeve, Spencer. I did not expect Young Investor to hop on. That was I great. always got. I always got tricks up my sleeve. Uh, meanwhile, um, Let's somebody, check it on Hood. Somebody call the the sheriff of, of Nottingham or Maid Marion or Little John or, or call somebody. Because Robin Hood's in trouble, okay? Call Friar Tuck. Robin Hood is in trouble. Are those, are those characters from Robin Hood? Yeah. yeah. Did you not, did you, I, I'm glad you picked up on the context there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Context clues for the win. Um, yeah, Robin Hood is down, <laughs> trading down like 10% here uh, from its, uh, more than, maybe a little around there now, um, from its IPO price. Again, $38 a share is where IP, uh, Robin Hood opened at the today. Um how low can it go is, I guess it's made a temporary low for now. Uh, I think everyone wants to short it just for fun. Um, I don't know if, if, if um, buying or selling for fun is necessarily a good strategy, but it, that seems to be the prevailing um, feeling out there, at least in our chat. Um, so is, is this a big payday for Vlad or are his shares locked up? Hold on, hold on. I just want to address Chris's comment. Yeah, I've been holding on to those references for like, 15 years, Chris. Uh, just, uh, I'll have you know. Perhaps- Full disclosure, this might be a dumb question. Is Robin Hood and Peter Pan, is there any relation there? No. 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 Peter. No. Robin Hood is in. Steals like- from the rich and gives to the poor. Uh, but Robin Hood is in a whole different like century, bro. Got it. <laughs> okay. Just so we're clear. I think Peter Pan might have been based on Robin Hood initially. Uh, perhaps. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry. Before that. Um, is today a big payday? Oh, yeah. For Vlad, I, I'll tell you who's today is a big payday for. In addition to Vlad, uh, is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg was an early investor in Robinhood. I think he got shares for like for like a like the dime or something, ten cents. Really? Um, 
Yeah. Today's a big payday for all those guys. Well, but, but their shares are locked up, right? Or no? Um, probably. I'm sure there's some lockups. Sure. Yeah. But think of like, what is an IPO at its very core? It is a liquidity event, right? In the private market, it is, it's not, it's not impossible, but it is difficult uh, to, to sell your stake in a private company. You can do it. It's just, it's hard. Um, it's much easier, obviously, when your company is publicly traded. Uh, so yeah, there are some, I'm sure that I'm sure they're locked up. I, they're, they have to be locked up. If they're not locked up, that would be insane. I, I'm sure that they are. Uh, heck, if you if you got shares this morning, you're locked up for a month, right? So I'm sure all, all those insiders, I'm sure they're locked up. Um, but regardless, it's a huge payday, right? For all because there are guys that got investors that got this stock, uh, this company uh, at a valuation of you know way less than than what they're at. Right? What what, what is this? They IPO'd at at thirty million. 30 not million 30 billion excuse me 30 billion 35 billion in that range uh so yeah i mean it's a huge payday for all those guys wow i mean yeah i mean we've had a number of big ipos this year spencer between coinbase uh robin hood obviously what what are some uh, roblox i think that was more of a direct listing airbnb we'll, we'll have to do a recap show of all the biggest ipos of the year yeah um i wish we could have gotten matt hammond on today but i he's i think still on vacation um, man, he missed like the, the biggest, uh, biggest IPO, uh, for a while here. Christian Gallagher says you can't short, shorten the stock till Tuesday. So that's, that's important to note. Um, uh, yeah, I just, this is like just the most interesting IPO. Uh, let, let's take a look at the volume here. So the, on the opening one minute candle, almost 12 million shares traded in the opening minute. That's pretty. That's that's a nice chunk of chunk of shares right there. Um, I want I want to know how this stock kind of reacts like after a couple of days on the market. See how it trades. You know, is is that volume going to last or is that just big for today? Before I hop in this for a couple of trades, the volume is going to be huge. I, I I think for the going forward, the volume it, it it's very rare for a, a stock to maintain its volume on its IPO day. I'm not saying that Robinhood will do that. It probably won't. Basically, no stock does that. Um, but it wouldn't shock me for a second if volume r- remains elevated, like on a daily basis. You know, we're talking, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million shares more uh, trading uh, on any given day. Wouldn't shock me for a second. This is going to be um, this is going to be a talked about stock across the board, across the board on every forum, Discord, subreddit, whatever. Yeah, Ruel in the chat. Shout out Ruel. Watch Ruel's report every Monday night if you've not if you have not checked it out already. We're going through the top cryptos, NFTs, and related topics. Um, but Ruel's saying, what if all the Reddit guys decided to short Robinhood? So that would be an interesting conundrum because then they would be wanting the stock to go down, but at the same time, this is the same crowd that that's looking for the next short squeeze. So maybe we'll <laughs> You're right. Yeah, You're right. a little catch 22 that we could get caught in there. But I mean, look, I, I want to see kind of what sort of short interest this stock gets once it's been on the on the exchange for a few days, a few weeks, maybe. And yeah, I, I could imagine a lot of people are short Robin Hood. But at the end of the day, I think Robin Hood still has like no, I, no, I, one, I, no one is short Robin Hood right now. Not, not not yet. But I'm saying I think they will be. But I want to know numbers wise. Yeah. How like ha- have they been able to retain the usership from a year ago today, or is it just dropping off a yes. cliff? Yes, they have been. I can answer that for you. They have been. 
I'll show, I'll show you, I'll show you some charts that I tweeted out from the uh, the roadshow on Sunday. They last the first quarter of 2021 was the best quarter in their history. Okay, the first quarter of 2021 was better than like all of last year. So yes, um, they, but a lot of that was powered by you know the rise of Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then obviously the past month or so we've seen crypto trading volume dry up. Some some increase in crypto trading the past week or so. So I think a lot of their business is actually dependent on that crypto trade, kind of like a Coinbase. Yes, that's certainly something to look at is uh, crypto trading volume has fallen off a cliff this summer. Uh, you can look, uh, there's uh, stats that I've seen looking at May uh, compared to June and July and just volume on all the, it's not any one exchange, right? It's Coinbase, it's Voyager, it's all it Kraken, all the big exchanges. Crypto trading volume is down across the board this summer. Uh, this is also a crypto play, right? Robinhood is a crypto play. So uh, very curious to see that correlation because volume has has fallen off a cliff here this summer. Yep, and Chris Kajay in the chat is giving us some numbers. In the first quarter of 2021, 17% of total revenue came from cryptocurrency compared to just 4% in the fourth quarter of 2020. So in, sure, in take, the quarter- take a look, and that's this is what Chris is saying, but just in visual form, right? You can just see that the yellow is crypto. I'm seeing 21 there. So that's oh, more than five times it's... Okay, that was for the total of 2020. So it's more than five times the the allocation to the crypto revenue in the first quarter of 2021 compared to the year prior. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be huge for for Robinhood going forward. Like, are we going to see another big Dogecoin surge that's going to going to put a lot of people trading on there, or Bitcoin and Ethereum are they going to keep rising? So I, I, I could see this, Spencer, after a couple of weeks, kind of trading with Coinbase. I, I could see well. Y- you mean down then? Because <laughs> is basically going straight down. Uh, I can see that too. I, I think a lot of people think it's just very karmic that you can go on Robinhood and bet against the company. Um, I think I think there's like some. Well, I don't think you can yet. I, I don't well, know. I, I didn't say right now, but like, in you will be able to do that. Although it's probably going to be a hard borrow because seems like everybody and, and their mother wants to short this thing. But um, you will be able to go on Robinhood and then bet against the company. And there's, some, I mean, you can do that right now on, on Schwab or Interactive Brokers, right? Um, but there's something karmic to that, uh, I think. So, um, and you can do it, yeah, yeah. So checking back in on AMD, how we started the show. When we started the show, it was about one hundred three fifty, gone up another fifty cents, and then up six percent, up more than six percent right now, Spencer. I mean, I, we talked about it earlier, but once it hit that hundred dollar level, yeah. that was a that was a big deal for AMD. It was. It, it seemed like it. It took forever to get there. Uh, felt like it was going to hit 100, like for the last year, right? That's what it felt like. But it took a while to get there. You know what's holding up okay today? Is Cook. Cook. Trigger Grills. Trigger Grills is holding up. Right. IPO at 18. We're at 23. I might need to do a deep dive with Luke into the the financials of Trigger because it could be an interesting play, but. Spencer, there are so many companies out there right now doing kind of disruptive things. Like, I just don't know if I want to allocate some of my portfolio to a grill company. It's not a grill. It's a, I thought it was a smoker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's a Traeger. It's a Traeger. Right. That's my mistake. It's a Traeger. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, it's 12.57. You know what? Let me look at coin real fast. How is Coinbase doing today? I'm just out of curiosity. I mean, crypto has been hot the last week, right? We're, we're back in the crypto markets. Yes, I guess. 
Uh, whoops. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's in the red by one and a half percent. But uh, go, go. Can you go to the daily real quick? When was the last time? When when did uh, Coinbase was below two hundred briefly? Correct. Or did it not get all the way down? No. No. It never got there. I thought it got to like one ninety something at some no, point. Never, nope. Never. I'm, got I'm mistaken. Never got there. What was that? What was that opening price? Uh, what was that high? Four twenty nine. The opening was three eighty one. Sheesh. All right. Uh, it's twelve fifty eight. AB. Let me hop off and let me get Neil Hamilton started on get technical, and I'll let you wrap it up here. This was a fun show. We don't need Jason and Luke. Screw those guys. No, who needs them? We we had a packed show between uh, Traeger Grill CEO, obviously on the day of their IPO. We also had Peak FinTech CEO. Interesting companies. We had a, a special appearance from Young Investor. And not to forget about Frank Curzio, who is sponsoring this episode. So huge shout out to Frank. Um, I'll let you go, Spencer. Get set up with Neil. And, and, and I'll- you know what's interesting real fast is there was a very, um, uh, there was a, vol- a volume bar increase, a notable volume increase in SoFi when, uh, when, when Robinhood opened up. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Par- Paris traders? Look, 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 look at the notice. This is on a one minute. Okay. Look at the volume increase right there. That was that was the Robinhood open. <laughs> they were like, "Oh well, now that one brokerage is is listed, we want the other one." <laughs> we, we want to trade them together. It's it's interesting, and you know what? That was also the low of the day. Interesting, interesting trend there. Okay, I'm gonna hop. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc